J.C. Ryle's Devotional Thoughts on the Gospel of Luke Section 70 Jesus and Beelzebub Luke chapter 11 verses 14 through 20 And he was casting out a devil, and it was dumb. And it came to pass, when the devil was gone out, the dumb spake, and the people wondered. But some of them said, He casteth out devils through Beelzebub, the chief of the devils. And others, tempting him, sought of him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought into desolation, and a house divided against a house falleth. If Satan also be divided against himself, how shall his kingdom stand? Because ye say that I cast out devils through Beelzebub. And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore shall they be your judges. But if I with the finger of God cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God is come upon you. The connection between these verses and those which immediately precede them is striking and instructive. In preceding verses, our Lord Jesus Christ has been showing the power and importance of prayer. In the verses before us, he delivers a man from a mute devil. The miracle is evidently intended to throw fresh light on the lesson. The same Savior who encourages us to pray is the Savior who destroys Satan's power over our members and restores our tongues to their proper use. Let us notice, firstly, in these verses, the variety of ways in which Satan exhibits his desire to injure man. We read of a mute devil. Sometimes in the Gospel we're told of an unclean devil. Sometimes we're told of a raging and violent devil. Here we're told of one under whose influence the happy person possessed by him became mute. Many are the devices of Satan. It's foolish to suppose that he always works in the same manner. One thing alone is the common mark of all his operations. He delights to inflict injury and do harm. There is something very instructive in the case before us. Do we suppose, because bodily possession by Satan is not so glaringly manifest as it once was, that the great enemy is less active in doing mischief than he used to be? If we think so, then we have much to learn. Do we suppose that there is no such thing as the influence of a mute devil in the present day? If we do, we would better think again. What shall we say of those who never speak to God, who never use their tongues in prayer and praise, who never employ that organ which is a man's glory in the service of him who made it? What shall we say in a word to those who can speak to everyone but God? What can we say but that Satan has stripped them of the truest use of a tongue? What ought we to say but they are possessed with a mute devil? The prayerless man is dead while he lives. His members are rebels against the God who made them. The mute devil is not yet extinct. Let us watch and pray that we may never be given over to the influence of a mute spirit. 
Thanks be to God, that same Jesus still lives, who can make the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. To him let us flee for help. In him let us abide. It is not enough to avoid open profligacy and to keep clear of glaring sins. It is not enough to be moral and proper and respectable in our lives. All this is negative goodness and nothing more. Is there anything positive about our religion? Do we yield our members as instruments of righteousness to God? Romans chapter 6, verse 13. Having eyes, do we see God's kingdom? Having ears, do we hear Christ's voice? Having a tongue, do we use it for God's praise? These are very serious inquiries. The number of people who are deaf and mute before God is far greater than many suppose. Let us notice secondly in these verses the amazing power of prejudice over the hearts of unconverted men. We read that when our Lord cast out the mute spirit, there were some who said, He casts out devils through Beelzebub, the chief of the devils. They could not deny the miracle. They then refused to allow that it was wrought by divine power. The work before their eyes was plain and indisputable. They then attempted to discredit the character of him who did the miracle and to blacken his reputation by saying that he was in league with the devil. The state of mind here described is a most formidable sin, and sadly, it is very common. There are never lacking people who are determined to see no good in the servants of Christ and to believe all kind of evil reports about them. Such people appear to throw aside their common sense. They refuse to listen to evidence or to attend to plain arguments. They seem resolved to believe that whatever a Christian does must be wrong, and whatever he says must be false. If he does right at any time, then it must be from corrupt motives. If he speaks truth, then it must be with sinister views. If he does good works, then it is from selfish reasons. If he casts out devils, then it is through the power of Beelzebub. Such prejudiced people are found in many a congregation. They are the severest trials of the ministers of Christ. It is no wonder that Paul said, Pray that we may be delivered from unreasonable as well as wicked men. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 2 Let us strive to be of a fair and honest and candid spirit in our judgment of men and things in religion. Let us be ready to give up old and cherished opinions the moment that anyone can show us a more excellent way. The honest and good heart is a great treasure. Luke chapter 8, verse 15. A prejudiced spirit is the very jaundice of the soul. It affects a man's mental eyesight and makes him see everything in an unnatural color. From such a spirit, May we pray to be delivered. Let us notice lastly in these verses the great evil of religious divisions. This is a truth which our Lord impresses on us in the answer that he gives to his prejudiced enemies. 
He shows the folly of their charge that he cast out devils by Beelzebub. He quotes the proverbial saying that a house divided against itself falls. He infers the absurdity of the idea that Satan would cast out Satan or the devil cast out his own agents. And in so doing, he teaches Christians a lesson which they have been mournfully slow to learn in every age of the church. That lesson is the sin and folly of needless divisions. Religious divisions of some kind there must always be, as long as false doctrine prevails and men will cleave to it. What communion can there be between light and darkness? How can two walk together unless they are agreed? What unity can there be when there is not unity of the Spirit? Division and separation from those who adhere to false and unscriptural doctrine is a duty and not a sin. But there are divisions of a very different kind, which are deeply to be deplored. Such, for example, are divisions between men who agree on main points, divisions about matters not needful to salvation, divisions about forms and ceremonies and ecclesiastical arrangements upon which Scripture is silent. Divisions of this kind are to be avoided and discouraged by all faithful Christians. The existence of them is a melancholy proof of the fallen state of man and the corruption of his understanding as well as his will. They bring scandal on religion and weakness on the church. Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. What are the best remedies against needless divisions? A humble spirit, a readiness to make concessions, and an enlightened acquaintance with Holy Scripture. We must learn to distinguish between things in religion which are essential and things which are not essential, things which are needful to salvation and things which are not needful, things which are of first-rate importance and things which are of second-rate importance. On essential things we must be stiff and unbending as the oak tree. If any man preaches any other gospel than that which we have preached, let him be accursed. Galatians chapter 1 verse 8. On non-essentials we may be as yielding and compliant as the willow. I have become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 22. To draw such clear distinctions requires great practical wisdom, but such wisdom is to be had for the asking. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. James chapter 1 verse 5. When Christians keep up needless divisions, they show themselves more foolish than Satan himself. <laughs>